Greetings, this is Phil St. Romain, member of the team at Heartland Center for Spirituality in Great Bend, Kansas. This podcast is brought to you as part of our internet ministry. If you would like to support our ministry, please check out the website at heartlandspirituality.org and you will find ways to do so. And now, our podcast. In this message, we're going to be reflecting on the meaning of the term soul. What do we mean when we say human beings have a soul? There are, of course, many senses in which the term soul is used. Webster's Dictionary describes it as a strong, positive feeling, a soul feeling. Moral and emotional sensitivity in people. We might even think of it sometimes as a type of food. But what we're going to be talking about here is the meaning of soul in a philosophical sense. What does it mean when we say that we have a soul? In humans, the soul has traditionally been considered spiritual, an aspect of our human nature that separates from the body at death to live on in some manner in another realm. That's the understanding that will be our concern. And to get us started, let's think about a car. What is it that makes a car a car? Might seem like a strange question, but I think you'll see where this is going. Is it the engine, the transmission, the shape, or the color? The concept car includes all of those. It wouldn't be much of a car without them. But they are part of the car. Car is the whole thing, the idea. There are many types, shapes, colors of cars. The idea, car, accommodates a great deal of variation. When the engine goes bad, the car might not run, but its form remains, powerless, almost useless. It still looks like a car, and maybe it can be fixed, but maybe not. At some point, it isn't worth fixing, and goes to junk. There's nothing recognizable about it after that. It is morphed into another idea, scrap metal, or something like that. But what made a car a car was the idea that it expressed. This idea was a blueprint of sorts, information for building a machine that would carry people from one place to another. The idea of a car resided in the minds of people, many people who were committed to building a machine that would be safe, efficient, speedy, attractive, and so forth. Let's take just a few moments to consider that, the idea of the car, and that it is the idea that makes the car the car. Now the execution of the idea comes through a global effort that entailed a wide variety of technologies and efforts. Most important of all was the team that coordinated these efforts to execute the blueprint that infused the idea of the car throughout all the levels of its different systems so that each would work for the good of the whole. Okay, enough about cars, but you can probably see where I'm going. Let's just scale up to a human person who is also an elegantly coordinated system of organs and tissues, all working together as an integrated whole. Like a car, we can say that a human is the expression of an idea, 
And that is a good way of understanding what a soul is. Soul refers to the formative, organizing intelligence that coordinates the functioning of a human person. Because a person, unlike a car, is living. Its influence is one of giving and sustaining life. Hence, a soul is often defined as a principle of life. It's that which makes the human live. But where is this soul? When scientists look for it, they cannot find anything. No evidence of it whatsoever. Furthermore, they point to the brain and its influence on genetic expression as explanation for human functioning, along with hormones and other influences. But the brain cannot be the soul in the sense in which we've been speaking about it, for the brain itself is part of the whole person. Soul, as we are speaking of it, is a philosophical idea, and so it is invisible, immaterial, and nothing that science can isolate and examine. You cannot dissect the idea car from a car. That's a senseless proposition. Yet in many ways, the idea car is the most real and important thing about the car. The car wouldn't exist without it. Same goes for the soul. It is an idea, like the car, imbued into every cell of the body, informing everything about its functioning. And when the body can no longer function, its idea, or soul, can no longer give it life. The body becomes a corpse, and, subject to the second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy, it begins to break down. So far, there's nothing particularly religious in what I've been talking about. The soul as an idea and formative intelligence isn't such a controversial proposition. Materialists might not like it, but there's no good reason to renounce it either. What the atheist might do is say, fine, and when the body dies, so does its soul. But not so fast. When a car is scrapped, the idea it expressed lives on in the minds of those who created it. So you can see where this is going. Whose idea is the soul? Before evolution and genetic science, it was easy to make the leap to God. That the soul is the idea of the person expressed by God in the living human organism. In saying this, we've made the leap from philosophy to theology, which is even more difficult to illustrate than philosophical ideas. I mean, you have to believe in God in the first place to believe that God creates souls, right? The response to the materialist here is that it's illogical to suppose that matter itself can produce an intelligence that organizes it in such manner as to coordinate all of its biochemical, psychological, and physical functions. Furthermore, in a human, we note the presence of an intelligence that moves from sensory perception to ideas several steps removed from the experience of the senses. Humans possess an intelligence that can properly be called spiritual, and it's illogical to think that matter gives rise to spiritual consciousness, unless, of course, matter itself is regarded as intrinsically spiritual, a possibility seriously considered by many these days. It's called emergentism. Most Christian churches still hold that God directly creates the human soul at conception to inform and guide the developing embryo as it grows in the womb and continues all throughout our lives. It may well be, however, that theology can accommodate emergentism at some point. 
just as the idea of the oak tree is in the seed, so the idea of the human race and all the souls that belong to it were there in the Big Bang itself. The idea of the soul as a spiritual form or principle is congruent with the observation that humans are capable of spiritual intelligence. We have an intellect, freedom, and awareness of ourselves as responsible agents of our own lives. We have experiences as the animals do, but we also make choices about those, and we can project ourselves into the past and future to test our choices. A spiritual consciousness like this requires a spiritual principle or idea to explain it, and that is the human soul, which is itself considered spiritual. In stating that the soul is spiritual, this does not mean that it is disconnected from the physical body. Some philosophies regard matter and spirit as being in opposition, but it's far more common to find Christian thinkers regarding body and soul as one integrated whole. In this view, the body exists for the soul and the soul for the body. Even though the soul is spiritual, it is ordered to animate a body and develop itself in the context of embodiment. The soul, we might say here, is itself the form of the body, and when the soul leaves the body at death, it continues to exist, for it is spiritual and immortal, but it is missing, we might say, its other half, the body. And that is why Christians believe that body and soul will be reunited one day with the resurrection from the dead. Jesus' own resurrection is the model for this, as his human soul and body were raised from the dead by the power of God. It may well be that people who undergo near-death experiences give us a hint of what it is like to be a soul separated from the body. They report seeing their bodies from a distance, then moving on to encounter deceased family members, friends, and a being of light who seems divine. They sometimes experience a review of their lives, but are eventually sent back to their bodies where they recall the experience for some time. Everything we've said about being a soul so far resonates with near-death experiences. I sometimes wonder whether they are given to some people to remind us all of what we really are. In summary, then, there is nowhere to look to find a soul, for the presence of a living person is itself evidence of a soul. You, me, each of us not only has a soul, but is a soul. Our experience of being a living body with the self that chooses, thinks, and is aware is evidence of a soul. Our soul can be developed for good or evil. We each have a responsibility for how we care for our soul. If we are open to God's life and influence, our soul will live by that life for all eternity like the body, the soul needs to be fed, and it grows most beautifully when we nourish it with love, truth, and wisdom. Feed your soul with this good food, which is to be found in abundance in our Lord Jesus Christ.